0: take your Bibles and turn with me towards the, uh, near the end of your New Testament to the book of Titus, the book of Titus, a short book, there's only uh, three chapters, uh, making up this uh, really interesting epistle. It is a unique epistle because um, it is what's called a pastoral epistle. What do you mean, Pastor? What is a pastoral epistle? Well, the uh, book of Titus, along with the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, were all three books written by the Apostle Paul to two young preachers, Timothy and Titus. They are really instruction manuals for pastors and preachers. Paul wrote to them and gave them instructions on what to teach and things to be doing as they shepherded their flocks. And so today we are in a pastoral epistle, chapter 2 of the book of Titus, and in a text that I believe is very fitting for today. You can can almost say that this morning's sermon was already pre-written for me because I'm just going to preach a text of Scripture that Paul told Titus. He said, I want you to make sure you teach this. To your congregation, and so I've just kind of affectionately called the sermon this morning God's way for women. Uh, A number of years ago, I was listening. I I love listening to other preachers, you know, because I have to get preached to myself. And I was listening to a message on this text. Uh, from a guy by the name of uh, Jerry Shirley, who's the pastor of First Baptist Church of Decatur, Illinois. And I came across this message, I was listening to it, and it just resonated with me so much. And, and I've taken some of the points from that message, and I've, I've tweaked them a little bit and uh, kind of made them my own. And, uh, and, and and exegeting this text here today, I just want to make sure I give credit to him because some of the points in this text originally or originally goes to a sermon that this pastor preached. So if you have your your, your text in hand, you've you've found Titus chapter 2. Let's stand together. I'm going to read just a few verses of this uh, amazing text and and, uh, try to explain a a little bit of what's going on here and uh, kind of put into some um, uh, put this text into some things that uh, we can observe and live by, especially for you ladies. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled. But older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their husbands, and and that the word of God may not be reviled. Verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that no, so that uh, an opponent may not uh, may, may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Uh, there, there is quite a bit to unpack here, and. Um, Father, I must admit it would be tempting to preach this out of my own strength, out of my own abilities, but. I would be um, not I would not be doing this text justice, I would not be preaching effectively, and nor would any of us get anything out of it if it 's by my own strength so God, I pray that that supernaturally and, and in accordance with your will, God just invade this message as it has been prepared to honor you, Father may in its delivery, God may it exalt the Savior and encourage ladies, mothers, women to observe, to carefully observe. Uh, what is commanded and expected of them. In Jesus' name that we pray. Everyone said, Amen. All right. Well, you know, one of the the first things that the Scripture has to say about you ladies is that you were absolutely needed. For guys like me, you know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter two, uh, that uh, in verse two, uh, chapter two, actually verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. Amen to that. If I had to live my life by myself. With everything, well, I, just, I just couldn't do it. I am so thankful for uh, a godly wife and a godly mother. I'm so thankful for Tiffany being in, in my life. And, uh, uh, you know, the word says, uh, God says, we're going to create a, suitor, uh, a helper suitable for him. And I like that phrase, too, because it lets me know I needed help. And so I'm so glad for my mother. I'm glad for my wife, who's an excellent, awesome mother. And I am so proud of each and every one of you godly mothers. uh, My goodness, your your, uh, abilities of influence are far reaching and far greater than you've probably ever given yourselves credit for. I'm also reminded of what Paul actually had to say to Timothy in one book prior in the opening verses. He said, I am reminded Timothy, when I'm looking at you, I am reminded of the faith that you have, but it wasn't original to you. It was the faith that was first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And uh, it's interesting to note, he didn't mention a grandfather or even a dad in Timothy's life. It lets us all know that whether, uh, uh, whether married or whether single, You can raise godly children. My wife came from a single parent household. She only had her mother there in her life. And she raised two boys and and Tiffany and had them in church every single Sunday. Every time the doors were open, taught them the ways of honoring the Lord. And so it can be done. The road is not always easy. Uh, Absolutely not. But it can be done. Mothers, thank you for what you do and what you have done in our lives. But now to our text. Let's go ahead and start with verse 1 and kind of outline some things for you in verse 1 because it sets the stage for this text and and for some of the things that that uh, the word is expecting, I believe of, of mothers. <clears throat> but as for you, Titus, he's really, really teaching to me. He's teaching the, the preacher right now, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And now it's important to notice that there's a lot of doctrines that you could teach as a pastor. I could sit up here today and give you a sermons on the doctrine of salvation or of Christ or, or, uh, the doctrine of the church. There's a lot of doctrines, things that the Bible speaks to. But notice that right after he says, I want you to teach them sound doctrine, he starts talking about the home. Something must be drawn out here as to why Paul, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit first mentions the importance of the home when he says, I want you to teach sound doctrine. I don't know all the answers to this, but I do believe that this is a timeless message because as we could say it today, we could have said it decades ago and centuries ago, our homes are constantly under attack. There are so many things out there trying to undermine godly homes. And sometimes they come from the most unlikely sources, the Supreme Court, Washington, D.C. Then we move on to the other things that are actually, we would expect them, our news media outlets, things on television, entertainment. And then just the things of this world, addictions and the stuff that can be brought into a home, a computer screen, Internet brought into the home and destroy what God had designed and what He intends, He says, "I want you to teach what accords with sound doctrine." Interesting to note that that in the King James, this, this word "sound," uh, th- 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 this word that He's He's talking about here. There, there's a lot of weight to it, and it really sets, I believe, a good tone for for the instructions that that Paul is is actually uh, given. It means to be well. It actually means to be in good health. Do you realize good doctrine provides for good health? It's like our regular doctors, right? You know how you can tell someone's in poor health? They've been to a poor doctor. Good doctors, good medicine, good life. Same is true for doctrine. Poor doctrine, poor health spiritually. He says, I want you to focus on doctrine. Interesting that the English word sound as it's translated here in the scriptures and various other places. And one of the places to actually use the word where we get the word cosmos from. And the word cosmos means to put things in order. Good doctrine means you're putting things in order in your life. And it means that you've got priorities set and proper. I thank God for the challenge of having good priorities. Being a mom, being a dad is not easy. And we are constantly challenged to have these good priorities in our home. One of these top priorities, and I fail here so many times, but you know, one of these top priorities is making sure that I see myself, Chris Woodard, as the priest of my home. And that my wives. First line of spiritual defense is going to be through her husband, <clears throat> and I teach my children properly. That's why it's important for Tiff and I both. One of the things that we just were, were, were just you know convicted of when we started having children, even before, we just kind of prayed and and, and it was just settled in our hearts. We want a Christian worldview inserted in our children's lives. We want to make sure to every aspect of their education, we, we want to make sure that it's, it's, it's emblazoned with the cross, that they see everything in this world through the lenses of the gospel, because that's how you see the world for really what it is. So listen to what he says here in, in, in verse 3 and, and the verses onward. I'm going to go ahead and, and give you pretty much the outline and, and kind of show you and explain to the text where, where this is coming from. First of all, I want you to see, here's, here's on your on your notes. Mothers have a mandate to exemplify biblical womanhood. I didn't put motherhood. I put womanhood. Ladies, you are first of all commanded to be a woman that God designed for you to be. And I'm going to tell you something. When we talk about the home being under attack, the issue of womanhood is under attack. The issue of manhood is under attack. Look at verse 3. Older, well, well. first of all, excuse me. Start with verse 2, but omit the first two words in verse 2. To be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Now verse 3, older women likewise. It means that in the text he's saying, what I just said for the men, <coughs> ladies, I want you to be the same. So ladies, likewise, you're to be sober-minded, it means, you, you know, you're not going to think like a drunkard, right? You, you're not going to, your mind is going to be clear. You're going to be dignified. And, and uh, I, I think women carrying themselves and how they carry themselves is a big issue relative to womanhood. Uh, I'm just, maybe it's just my upbringing. I, I kind of call myself sometimes from an old school. Um, but I, I, I respect a whole lot Ladies who know how to carry themselves. Who, know, who, who, just, who just know how to be a lady. Tiffany's grandmother, Miss Sarah Lee Towton. None of y'all ever knew her, but she was a southern belle. She cooked all her Sunday meals from scratch. But she knew how to wear a dress. She knew how to carry herself as a lady, soft-spoken. But when she opened her mouth, she was speaking gospel truth. Whether it was in a criticism or some type of encouragement, you knew she was just carrying herself. That rubbed off on my wife a whole lot. And I'm glad I married a lady, being dignified. But listen, being self-controlled, oh my goodness, Well, we could just camp out here about being self-controlled, couldn't we? But you know what he's talking about. Sound in faith. Ladies, your faith is everything to you being a woman and you being a mother. Because I don't know how you can be a a faithful wife and and a faithful mother without being willing and able and on a consistent basis being able to step out where you don't know where your foot's going to plant. And how to live a life of faith. And in in love and in steadfastness. And in verse 3, listen, you're going to do these things. But he adds, you need to be reverent in your behavior. I I don't, none of you in here are like this. So I I could say this. Loud mouth women. There's just something about it that just, I don't know. It it just, you know, Always got to be speaking their mind and always got to be, you know, um, like, they're running, like they're running for president or something. I don't know how to put it exactly, but I think you catch my drift. There's just something about a quiet way and, and, and not out of, listen, and, and not out of being a subservient to to Manhood. But just knowing how to speak and when to speak. Proverbs thirty one, I read that text a moment ago. It said just that much. She knows when to open her mouth. She knows when to speak some things. Reverend in behavior, not not slanderers. That's interesting. You may have a translation, it uses the word gossip, not gossipers. Now this goes for for both genders. I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but uh, the word that 's translated for gossip in the New Testament is from the same word where we get diabolical matter of fact it 's the same root word. The word diabolical it means demonic. How many of you knew that gossip is demonic behavior for you to gossip you, you i mean it's, it, it is it is probably temporary demonic oppression and 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 getting him getting all over you to do things like that. Not slaves to much wine. In other words, you, you are not going to let any behavior control you to the point of addiction. You will carry yourself properly. Biblical womanhood just, just simply means I'm going to carry myself in such a way where my influence will be its greatest And you think about that. You think about the ladies, men and women, all of you think about in here, just, just kind of think for a moment about the women in your life, mothers, grandmothers, whatever you think about the ones that have had the most impact, positive impact in your life. Do do, do you think that they kind of fit what we're talking about so far here? Absolutely. Absolutely. They would. There's something about a woman just being a biblical woman. And it is so beautiful because it actually brings you back to the original design that God had for you. To be this helper for us wayward, lowly, crazy men who lose our way so often, who don't know the answers nor the directions of how to get where we're going. There's so many ways in which we need that helper in our lives. Men, I'm sorry, but your wives are right most of the time, if not all the time. I tell young couples getting married, I look at that young boy, he's got love in his eyes. He's near about blinded by it. And I look at him... And I say to him, I give him this one challenge. Young fellow, in marriage, you can either choose to be right or you can choose to be happy. That choice is up to you. And what you do with that choice means everything in your behavior. Sometimes they don't get it. But they'll come back to me later on and say, Pastor... When I said I do, I didn't. I didn't really get it, but I, I got it now. I choose to be happy. But on a serious note, God said man was not good. Now, now think about it this way: God had created everything and put you and I last. He created man, and in the text it said there was nothing suitable among all of the created order. There wasn't anything that could compare to you for what God intended for guys like us. That's a big deal. And for him to give you these commands, it means something. It testifies to you and I that the impact of a woman, that gentleness, that dignity, that respect, the integrity, all of these things, pursuing a strong faith. Do you know why we need to see that? Because men like me, I don't know about you guys, but men like me, I need to see that example. That's why it rubbed off on Timothy the way that it did. So mothers have a mandate to exemplify biblical womanhood. Number two, a mother's motive is to glorify God. So far I've talked to you about what mothers need to do and just and, and, and things that you're probably already doing. But why do it? Now, we need to park here for a minute and just talk about this because because motives mean everything. I talked with my deacons back on Monday. We talked about in ministry, we need to be guided in ministry by principles rather than practicality. Practicality would tell us that some ministry, oh, we can't do it. We don't have the resources. We don't have this. We don't have this. Whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we need to operate by principle because if something is right, biblical and true, we are to pursue it. No matter what, somebody else may tell us it can't be done. I hate the word no sometimes, don't you? Oh, I hate being told it can't be done. Oh, by God's grace, you and I, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. But listen, we operate by principle. Why? Because we will go into areas and do things that in our own strength we would never be able to do. I hate operating by my own strength because I'll be worn out by day's end. But when we operate by God's strength and we want him to get the glory, it makes all the difference. Now, ladies, all of these things that we've talked about thus far about biblical womanhood, your ultimate goal is not to do it to be a good example for your husband or to or to raise godly children. I know that sounds strange, but you do it first. First. Because you love the Lord and you want him to get the glory. Why? Because so many of you, just like me, boy, we face these challenges, right? Growing up, you know, we, we weren't the poorest of the poor, but there, there were things we I certainly did without as a child. And, and, and I remember... During a time, my dad was remodeling our house, and, and he, he would only do something as long as he had money for it. And, and sometimes projects were, were put on hold. I remember in 1985, one of the coldest winters we ever had, is in 1985. and, and, and my dad was expanding a room, and, and my bedroom was, was, was a part of it, and, and the ceiling was, uh, the, the ceiling w- w- was down, and you could look straight up. And I remember on cold winter mornings looking up, and I could see frost on the roof nails poking through. It was a rough winter that winter. But see, we have challenges. Financial. We have, we have challenges just getting by. We have these challenges. And if our goal is to just be successful, if our goal is to just look at this as a checklist, I don't think you'll ever get it done. But if you say, listen, God, I don't have what it takes to be any of these things that the preacher's been talking about already this morning. As a matter of fact, I'm failing at pretty much all of them. But Lord, I promise you this. I don't have what it takes, but you do. You've got all the strength that I need. And if you would just supply that to me, I promise you, no matter how my children turn out, I don't care how my husband treats me, I will give you the glory because I know that I have at least accomplished and am accomplishing what you have commanded because of the strength you've given me. That's the difference. Because you know as well as I do, you can be the most sincere and honest and godly mother, love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your children still go their own way. But you know what? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that we train our children the way that they should go, and when they are old, it will not depart from them. It's kind of like a shadow, you can never get away from a shadow. I may turn away from my shadow, but it's still there. And that godly training, even with your wayward children, you, you, you may have that prodigal child right now, but they still got that shadow of godly training. And it's going to follow in one day. One day, it actually may not be in your lifetime, but they'll remember it. That's why we do this for the glory of God. If we do it for results, what if you don't get the results you're looking for? If you're doing that to live a Christian life, then you're not going to be good at that anyway. You know, and it's, can can I tell you something? I've been trying to figure that one out still. If there's any guy here who lives by a scorecard, man, it's me. Pastors were horrible for doing that. Not a lot of people here on Sunday, I I blame it all on me. No response at the altar, I blame it all on me. Somebody mad with me, well, it's all my fault. We live by these scorecards. We're constantly tearing ourselves down. And as a mother, you may be doing the same. Children not listening to me to bringing home bad grades or they've been rebellious here for, for a season doing all these things. If you live by those scorecards, it'll change your tactics. That's what I said a while ago about, about living by principle. If we live by a principle, that I'm going to glorify God in this. And, and more than anything else, I want Him to be happy. Then guess what? My joy will come from my satisfaction of glorifying Him rather than the outcome of those who still have to make up their own minds independent of how I live my life. Now, number three. A mother's manner of life should promote holiness, should promote holiness. You might could cross out the word should and maybe put will, because so far we've looked at a text of scripture that I'm telling you, ladies, this this isn't a quite a challenge. Yes, I know. But but observing this, God will honor it. I promise you he will. We'll, we'll pick up. Um, Uh, verse four, train the young women to love their husbands and children. Oh, by the way, this verse has always struck at me. Loving their husbands. Well, I can kind of get that. (laughs) Some husbands are hard to love, but but love their children. I, I thought for a long time, why in the world do we need to teach women to love their children? Well, you realize since January the 22nd, 1973, we've allowed moms to kill their babies off in the womb. Roe v. Wade pass. Yeah, that's why we have to teach them. And another thing, do you know that loving is sometimes a very unnatural thing to do? Because the love here is going to be unconditional. We We love to love conditionally. As long as you're meeting my needs and you're doing things the way I want you to do them, I will love you. But the moment you step out of line with my expectations, then we're cutting off love. Older ladies, you are to teach this to the younger ladies. Younger ladies, you are to remember this. In verse five, to be self-controlled. We've talked about that. Pure working at home. It, it really means taking care of the home. Uh, um, I know a lot of pastors. You may have heard you know speaking down on women who work outside the home. My wife works outside the home, but in inside the home is her domain. She has the final shot on decorating, on cooking. On how that home is run, my wife manages our home. That's what he's talking about here. Kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Oh, we got to talk about this here. Just a second. You may have your, your translation may actually say that the word of God will not be blasphemed. Now that's a big word. It's a heavy word to attach onto this command. Because what he's saying here is that, ladies, your observation and fulfillment of these obligations here verify the things that I have elsewhere said about human life and responsibility, and especially salvation. This point here that I'm trying to make, this it should pro- promote holiness, means that if I'm going to honor the Word of God right here, it will validate other passages of the Word of God so as not to blaspheme, meaning meaning, well, God says this, but He's doing this somewhere else, or He's not doing this somewhere else, but doing it here. It validates the Word of God so that the whole Word, counsel of God, is absolutely true. So what He says over here about this particular issue is valid. What He says here, valid. What He says over here about this type of life, valid. What He says over here about eternal life and salvation and faith and and repentance in Jesus Jesus Christ to, as your merit for salvation. That's it. That's why it pro- promotes holiness. That's why it's a pretty big deal. This whole little checklist here and, 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 and our ability to kind of navigate through it. And, and ladies really at your best day, that's what you're doing. You're navigating it and saying, God, I'm going to need your strength to make this stuff happen. That's why at the end of the day, these are, these are all commands to do something. Now, commands in the scriptures to do something are always as valid as the commands in scriptures not to do something. Like murder and adultery and stealing and false witness, you know, lying, stuff like that. That's why when we pray, you may have learned this in Sunday school. That's why when we pray, we ask God to forgive us of sins of commission, things we've committed. But God, forgive me of my, the sins that I have done by omission, In other words, I have omitted things out of my life that should have been there. I have not been observing the things that you've wanted me to, to do. I heard an uh, old uh, speaker many, many years ago said, if we spend all of our time doing the do's in the scriptures, we won't have time to do the don'ts in the scripture. But doing these things is a model and a way to show others a pathway and, uh, of, of holiness. Next point. The last one actually, is, it's, it's on your list here. A mother's example is a reflection of wise living. Look at, at, at verse five: self-control, pure, working at home. Uh, uh, I mean, just just so much right here. Your translation may may call it uh, sober or, or discreet. You know, being level-headed, having having good judgment, and and I'm going to tell you, I, I need that example in my home. My, and my wife, she is so good at good judgment. And you think I learn from that. You know, us husbands, we got to learn from good judgment, especially when it comes to our mouth. I put my mouth in gear before I put my mind in gear. And I, oh, how I regret it. It's like the husband been working hard all day long. And, and uh, his uh, his wife was at home with two newborn children. I think they had twins. And, and so she had done doctor's appointments. She had done, you know, going to the laundromat, or, or the dry cleaners, whatever, and going to the grocery store. She just had a packed day. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. And she was run ragged. She got home and she tried to stir up dinner as best as she possibly could. And the husband walked in and the first thing he did was he took a big whiff. Of something odorous coming from the kitchen. Okay. Kind of knew that. Just just kind of tell. There's some things strewn about the floor. Toys weren't picked up from the babies. Uh, yeah, she's probably not had a good day. Well he sits down at the dinner table. And she said. Sighing in frustration. Kind of slammed the dishes there. And, I'm sorry. It's been a rough day. I've only had time to make a meatloaf and an apple pie. Husband looked at the plates on the table and says, that's okay, you just tell me which is which. That was not a good thing to say. Realizing he hurt his wife's feelings and tried to make up for it, he said, honey, I am so sorry for what I said. You must think that I'm a perfect idiot. She says, no, honey, no one's perfect. This, this whole notion of, of a mother's example translating into a, a reflection of wise living, you know, wise words, so much can be said for that. I love my father and the example he's given to me, but can I tell you something? I remember to this day phrases that I heard coming out of my mother's mouth that I live by. Things that I remember about just, just stuff to be mindful of and to think about. Th- things that, that have made a difference and an impact in my life. That, that's this way of godly living, wise living it has impacted me today and I, I wish I wish I would have had a journal. I wish I would have been smart enough even as a kid to write down all the stuff mom said. All the stuff that that mom did. You know, even this morning, it it happened. And I got a witness that can verify it. When I was a kid, I'd have a little mark on my face from breakfast table or something, of dirt or whatever, or a cow lick. And there's something about mama spit. It's magic. I think you could bottle it up. And call it something else that mama spit. And it would be the all-purpose, you know, general cleaner around the house, good for your windows, WD-40 on a tough bolt. It's probably good for all that stuff. Well, here comes my daughter up, and I think she had been eating some of them good homemade donuts. How many of you like them homemade donuts, Brother Wayne? Listen, next Sunday, next Sunday for Sunday school, he's making more of them. So you need to come for Sunday school, and you can get you some good old-fashioned uh, homemade hot donuts, fried good. Was it large you used, Brother Wayne? It was good. That's all I know. Boy, it was out of this world. So my, my little girl Sarah just come up in here. We're up in the sound room, and I was trying to get my headpiece thing. out of doing something with the sound, and here she come. Had this big old smeared I'm like, oh, she done been eating this morning at church, and I, I did, no tissues to be found. I was like, well, I gotta fix this somehow. So, I, hmm, it worked for Mama. Let me give it one of these. And I just, I just took my thumb and I, I kind of scraped my my tongue all the way down. Got a good old gob of it, and and, and I just, and I started wiping her down. Okay. And this, and, the, and what's funny is you're going to be coming by shaking my hand right after church. <laughs> now I washed them. I promise you, I washed them. I went to the bathroom. I washed them. They're, they're good and clean. I can promise you this. But it works. It worked. Mama's trick that she taught me so long ago, my spit is magical. But you know what? One day, one of these days, after the Lord does not come, And I outlive my mama. I'll have to pick out a casket. Just like some of you have done. We'll meet with a funeral director. You know, a few years ago, my mother asked me, she said, "Uh, Chris, would you preach my funeral? I said, absolutely. There wasn't a second thought come through my mind. That's the last thing I could do for my mama. I could at least preach a funeral. And I'll let her down in the ground and we'll cover that casket up with dirt, cover up a shell of a body. Her her spirit will be with the Lord. And there's going to be a whole lot more things that I'm going to appreciate about what my mama did and taught me. So, ladies, here's what I want to make sure you know. Do not sell yourself short on the impact you're making right now. You've got time to make up for lost things. You do. I promise you. Listen, it is never too late to be a godly mother. Your kids may be out of the house. You may be an empty nester, but you are still mama. You'll always be mama. And God has a way for all of you here this morning. Ladies, he knew that we needed help. He knew that we needed someone to be put on this earth, sweet and kind, put that smell good perfume on, acts and carries yourself in a dignified manner like a lady, like God intended. And I can promise you this. You can do more in an impact on someone's life than this preacher right here ever could. And you'll be showing them and teaching them the ways of the Lord. And you'll have an impact that will last far beyond your earthly years could have ever provided. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for uh, all the mamas, all the mamas, Lord, who have been selling themselves short on what they've done in their time on this earth. For the mamas who feel like they may be failures. Lord, I, I don't think they should feel that way. Lord, I know we'll, we'll, we all have you know, things we wish we could have done different. Yes. But Father, in Your eyes, by faith in You, they're not failures. But there are some things that we can do this morning in response to this sermon that ladies may need to just be aware of. And Father, I pray that... Uh, As we get ready to prepare for an invitation, for a time of response. That every woman here would have just, maybe there was something that was said early on or maybe mid through the sermon or whatever. And maybe something from the word of God uh, that just struck with them and something that they could just bring to the altar and say, Lord, would you help me in this area? God, I just, I'm just going to come and just pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my husband. I just want to do these things to make sure that I know and I'm following God's way